Welcome back to another episode of Season 5 of the RAG Podcast. As you guys know by now, this is the number one podcast across the recruitment sector globally. And we've always been on a mission to help recruitment agencies grow by interviewing founders and telling their stories of success from startup all the way to scale up and exit. Well, this season, we're a little bit different. How do you, as a recruitment leader and founder, maintain your family and friendships whilst being the best person at work? How do you stay physically fit mentally and emotionally? And how do you find time for yourself in the madness? How do you find time for self-interest, for hobbies and self-improvement? Well, to help you with this, I'm going to be interviewing someone every single week that can demonstrate experience in one or more of these areas. So I'm going to talk to recruitment founders and also some experts from outside the industry who can deep dive into things like relationships and health and well-being. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RAG Podcast. On today's episode, I am... I'm really, really, really looking forward to sharing this story. Now, Anthony Webster is my guest today. Anthony is my old colleague. We worked together for five years at Venquist in London. Um, we were really close. He was like my best friend in the office. We um, we actually planned to launch Hoxo together. He was, for about two years, part of the journey with myself and my business partner, Amma. Um, and he decided not to join us. He later quite... He, decided, he said it wasn't the right time for him, and he soon moved and joined a company called DVF Recruitment, which he is now the managing director of. It was a startup that is part of the bigger career legal group. There's like 13 in DVF, 50 across career legal. Anthony's MD, Andy's board member across the bigger group. Um, and he's done phenomenally well. And I wanted to obviously tell his story about that. But the reason he didn't join us was because he had a bigger mission. He had something he needed to achieve. And that was that he needed to come out as gay. Anthony who's a year old, he must be 36 now, and almost 37, um, lived for a very, very long time, his whole 20s and into his early 30s, um, basically living a lie, basically telling people that he was he was straight and um, hiding the fact that he was he was gay and that he had, he had a boyfriend for a long time. Um, and at the point where we were about to launch a recruitment company together, he realized that actually coming out was a bigger priority than, than starting a business. And so he moved, he found a safe space, he came out, which was news to me. I'll be honest, I didn't expect it. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking it. I was proud of him and, and never judged him. But he's now gone on an incredible journey in the last five years to open up and become his true self. Um, in Pride Week, oh, sorry, Pride Month of June, I felt like this would be an incredible way to, to raise awareness but also tell my friend's story and, and how he, and I'm, I'm just genuinely so proud of him. So I'm, I'm 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 very confident that for anyone listening, you're gonna you're gonna love this story. You're gonna you're gonna buy into Anthony, but also you're gonna understand how hard it is for certain people to be themselves in 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 an industry that's male dominated, is very macho, and is not always open to change and inclusion. Anthony dispels a lot of myths and gives some really really cool practical advice too. So, without further ado, Anthony, welcome to the Rag Podcast. Good morning. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. It's uh, it's a bit weird, really, having it's been you. Wow. Bit weird. When did I last see you? About two two years ago, maybe. Before yeah, probably just before COVID. We caught up. Um, obviously regular catch ups, which is which is good. But 
Not weird enough, though. Not enough. Weird. No, I know. I know. You've left me. You've gone back to up north now. I'm a northerner, mate. I'm, a, I'm no longer a savannah. We used to live around the corner. So so for those of you, I've mentioned it in the intro, obviously, we, yeah. we knew each other for a long time. We're, we worked together every day for the best part of five years. And, and we've probably only seen each other a handful of times since, which is a shame. It's the way, yeah, the, world, way the world works. But right. So we're going to get, we've got loads to cover. But before we get into it, I've done a basic intro. Yeah. Just for the, for the benefit of anyone who doesn't know you, in your own words, how would you describe your job and who you are right now? Yeah, of course. So Managing Director for DVF Recruitment, who are a, we are a specialist business transformation change and technology business, mm-hmm. work across industries, but heavily entrenched in the legal insurance, broader financial services, and do a lot of stuff with insure tech, uh, legal tech businesses. I am DVF a part of the Career Legal Group, so Career Legal, long-standing, 32-year-old business that I'm a board director for mm-hmm. and help strategically drive both businesses forward. And then kind of third hat, I would say, is co-lead for our diversity inclusion business. So, you know, what we're doing internally, driving initiatives internally, but also externally how we partner better with clients. So, yeah, pretty busy. DVF are six years old. There's 13 of us now. Um crazy wild and wonderful bunch that we've got but um yeah we've got a great team doing some really interesting stuff but actually as a kind of group businesses we've got 50 in total and how we harmonize the organizations and we are one business essentially so yeah that's a quick snapshot love it love it so we so if anyone who wants to know if they're interested i mean the way we work was i was me and you were basically counterparts right so i ran, yeah. i managed contract you managed perm and we used to go it was early it was basically just me and you at the beginning early days, and we, yeah. built out, we built out teams and divisions and um, I remember we, it was always good fun. We always did well. We competed and, and yeah. we, but we, we also, you know, we go to a client. I think if me and you walked into a client meeting, it was pretty powerful. Wasn't it? We always yeah, came out. We, we hopefully never lost, which is. <laughs> <laughs> we always came out with what we wanted. Sometimes. We lost sometimes. We always, we always came out with what we wanted. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, interesting time. And I mean, Vanquish was great, right? I think the the transformation that we was, you know, when we joined, it was quite small. And I think when you blinked kind of five years later, it was nearly 50 of us, which is crazy. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all really valuable experience, which is good. Yeah. So you, but you've been in recruitment. What year did you get into recruitment? Can you remember? Oh, I don't I like to say around 10 years, but I think the age is probably pushing to more nearly 12. But um, oh, yeah, let's stick with 10 years. But um, yeah, probably, probably more than 10 years. I got, in, I got into recruitment in 2011. You've done a few Yeah, years mine was about, yeah, about two, end of 2009, I think it was. 2009, yeah. 2010. That's, so That's like 14, yeah, 13, 14. Well, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's stick to 12. <laughs> so what? Because I don't know if I remember your story, you were a were you working like private banking or something? And yeah, so I left school pretty much fifteen. So I was an August baby, yeah, pretty so. brazen, good at maths, but didn't want to go to university. Just managed to blag myself. Uh, well, I didn't blag myself. I went down to Lewisham Job Centre and managed to look at apprenticeship on the wall and think I can work in a bank. So quite bullshit and brazenly applied, got through the different panel of interviews, and then yeah, literally joined that October at 16, um, just turned 16 into Peckham Rye Branch, Barclays, away we go. So, um, yeah, so done, worked in retail quite heavily, met lots of different people, which is probably the best experience I've still had to this day. Um, and then ended up in pro- kind of progressing through to private banking quite quickly. So one of the youngest guys in private banking. And then they shifted a lot of work to Canary Wharf at the time when everything was moving to Canary Wharf. So I took the redundancy. I thought I'm going to buy myself a really nice car. Stupidest <laughs> decision you've ever done. Um, and then ended up kind of falling into recruitment like most people do, you know, 12 years ago mm-hmm. through contacts, relationships that I've had and kind of built it from there, really. Wasn't it Tony Kokoza that got your first one? Yeah, so we was, yeah. So we've, so that's kind of our first, oh God, Tony, what a legend. Um, legend. Kind of where it really started for me. And then, yeah, started doing technology recruitment 
quite locally was um yeah tony that took me on and um was that in yeah. bromley or something that's it bromley bromley kentway so I'm, i've been always been been that way um and then yeah started working with tony moved on to another business smaller business called optimum so doing a lot of technology recruitment to a lot of the big big investment banks and i was quite keen to get back in the city so i was always missing kind of working in london and getting back you would have joined you'd have joined bankers in 2013 i think because i started in yeah, 2012 quite you small. Were you're about six, yeah. seven months after me. I think, we, yeah, we'd have been about 12 people or something. Maximum. Yeah, so it was really um, quite small then. And I think what intrigued me about that, you know, Venquist at the time was, you know, everyone drives technology and new platform systems. And that's what I knew. And that's how I learned. But I liked the fact was understanding why businesses go through change. What's the need to really change an organization? I think that's why Venquist stood out, really. But they needed a bit of help on the perm side. I could see quite clearly that they were struggling. And, um, yeah, that's kind of where it started then. I just remember you came in and you were like, you were just confident. You just knew you knew what you were doing, which was which was yeah. good. But you were like you were open to listening, you were open to learning, you were fun, you were energetic, and you know, it was that classic story of, of a lot of young people, you know, early mid twenties that mm. well, probably mid to late twenties actually, that yeah. that we all were, you know, trying to make money, having fun, enjoying it. Where mm. where did the drive to make to be, be successful? Do you think where does that come from for you? Where 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 does it like childhood or what? Where oh, I don't know. So I've obviously my bit of a, you know upbringings. You know, mum's always been a grafter. So I think I've, I think I've always got that from her. I mean, she's still to this day. You know, works aggressively tirelessly. So I think there's always been that hard graft in me to mm. want to be successful and to really try to do it. But I think it's always been I've not kind of around me looked around and it's someone in my family that's kind of pinpointed. But I think the natural graft and energy has definitely come from, from my mum and I think still to this day does really. But I think also the real need to want to change, you know, not just my life, but people around me as well. So I think there's mm. always been that need to to want to push forward. And I think that's I think that's been ingrained in me since I've ever known, to be honest. What do you think what do you think made you a good recruiter? Let's talk about consultant level because you were yeah. you were wicked, like you were what? Yeah. three hundred grand a year, easy perm. Like what? How? How did? What was it about you that? Because you weren't like you weren't the most academic. You didn't go. No, to not at all. I think all day. What, what was it that made you good? Do you think? Yeah, I think for me as well, I, I've tried to do things. Like anyone I even meet to this day has tried to do things a little bit better. So I will, you know, a lot of this stigma is work crazy hours. And that's part of it. Stay there till quite late and put their working. And that was never at fault. But I think what I've also tried to do is tactfully look at different ways to get quick wins, strategically look at how you can come from different directions, do what other recruitment businesses aren't doing. And I think a lot of that combined with obviously the work ethic and the drive, I think really made me kind of stand out but knowledge understanding the marketplace I think always being being able to go to a meeting with four or five people that can do the job and pitch it right at that right time so I think knowledge hunger I think being able to look at things slightly different and come at a completely different angle and even to this day right recruitment's super competitive but I've got guys on my team that have been doing recruitment 12 months and doing what guys have been doing it for 10 years and I think it's being able to come to the market and a lot of it is how you can do things what other people aren't doing and how you can potentially come to the market in a slightly different angle as well, as well as putting in that drive. But I think, you know, I think a lot of it historically was driven on hours, how much you're on the phone. And it was always that key drive. And, you know, still to this day in a lot of organisations, but I think strategically you can be quite creative. And I think you can get a lot of quick wins by being quite creative. I think you were just like, if I was going to give you my opinion, you were likeable. I think you were yeah. like, I think... Some recruiters are just not memorable enough. <laughs> They're not. Whereas you were memorable. You meet a client, they weren't forgetting Anthony. Like you were a big, yeah. big character, right? And you and you you said if you said you were gonna do something, you did it. 
You did yeah. it on time. You were always just consistent. You were consistent. You were always fucking in on time. You never missed anything. Like I, I think me also and you were don't always... mind saying sorry, or if I've made yeah. a mistake, yeah, I mean, exactly. it's an honesty and an integrity behind that. I think again, it's just sometimes owning. Actually, if we made a mistake, like I'm sorry, hold your hands up. And I think where can a client go if you sit there and say I'm sorry? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think what, what me and you both did though was we were consistent. I think yeah. looking around the office, there was only a few people you could count on every day would be mm. there at the right time and would put the same level of effort in and would hit the numbers every month. Yeah, we, we were in a you know a manager's dream, an owner's mm. dream. Really, we were just consistently knocking on the board. Right. Yeah. So today's show is, you know, it's really personal. It's a really interesting topic. So, and it's mad because we worked together for five years. And what I want to also share is that you were also part of Hoxo. Originally, you, the, 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 the Hoxo plan was me, Amma, and you, right? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not even spoken. A lot of people don't know, yeah. No one knows it, right? Yeah. So Hoxo, I think it was probably a couple of years of talking. Amma's dad died. Mm. And then I think me and you yeah. and sat together and we were like, look, let's do this. And then we used to meet regularly. We talked about, you know, you were going to do perm, we were going to do contract, insurance, and then he was doing retail. And you even helped us with the name Hoxo. Do you remember we had Noxon for a while? Then Noxo. Oh, God. There was, um, there was all sorts of shit names. Hoxo cubes. Oh, mate. Uh, but we got there. We got there. And then, so running to the back end of 2016, mm. as I said, we started working together 13. So we've been together like three, four years. And then going into 17, January 17, we were quitting. That was the plan. Yeah. We planned yeah. it all year. I remember we met in Crystal Palace. We had a coffee. Plan was set. You know, we're all going to quit. For end of Jan, we're all getting a bonus. We're out. Mm. And I remember at Christmas, you went a bit quiet. So yeah. me and Amla, I think it was just before Christmas, we were like, right, let's all have a beer, chat. And you were like, oh, I can't make it, lads. And me and Amla mm. both just knew. There was guts. Yeah. There was an instant yeah. that change. And then I remember you sent us just before you sent me like this just long message saying lads i'm so sorry but but i can't do this right now like mm. this it's not the right time i think you meant you made it you talked about buying a house and whatever you said didn't quite feel right but i remember thinking i'm not going to probe you because at the end of the day yeah. you don't want to do it you don't do it so that made me and i'm gonna think fuck mm. what are we gonna do and, and look at first it was it was carry on um yeah. but what actually I was already thinking about marketing and stuff, which was stuff I was talking about and content. And then, and then that led me to go, well, actually the push to think, well, what else could we do? I think I actually think, well, your decision impacted my decision, which led to my, yeah, so, so, you know, yeah. it all happens for a reason, but the truth was not mm -hmm. so long after you not only left the business we worked for, but then you came out as being, as being gay. Right. Yeah. Um, which I'll be honest. I was really quite shocked. Like, mm -hmm. We were close. There was a lot of people spoke about it in the office. Is Anthony gay? People mentioned it because you never had a girlfriend in the time we worked. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just never really thought about it. I was like, well, if he is, he is. If he's not, he's not. But I didn't. I genuinely didn't think it because you were quite. You did talk about women a bit, and you did. Mm. You were quite like you almost were like the. You were quite a geezer, you know. You yeah. would be. You'd almost like tell people to piss off if they were even going to... I think, that's, I think that's probably been why it's sometimes quite difficult, right? Because, and I think that's probably why for years I have, have also struggled with it to some degree because I'm a bit of a lad's lad. I've had the same friends since yeah. I've been in school and I think the fear of the acceptance part, but I think the, the next layer was actually, I don't want to come out as gay and then I kind of turn that life off and then I've Sorry. got to go and get a lot of new friends and stuff. And I think over a long period of time, I mean, most of my 20s, probably pretty much all of my 20s, I was covering up who I am as a person, lying to people, you know, bringing, you know, and it was just 
you know, a lot of dark time, you know, re- real dark path at times. And I think... Well, what, what able- I do? I'd like to go yeah. into a kind of two directions with it. First, I want to talk about the story of you actually just... Like, let's just go back to that moment when you, yeah. didn't, when you didn't join... Or you didn't start Hoxha with us. And then we'll go back to the pre-story of, of what you've been through. Because I think there's kind of two really interesting yeah. parts of this. And obviously, it's Pride Month. It's fucking... It's really relevant right now. Let's. Mm. I want people to listen and understand it's okay to to be open about who you are. So Definitely. if we go back to, so let's go back to that time in December, me and Amara waiting on you, like what's going on? Tell me what went on in your head. What was going on? I think at that time as well, and obviously there was the Hoxo piece, but I think there was also a bit of a point where you take certain things up to a certain degree and you can mask things, but it does come to breaking points. I was drinking heavily. I was doing things I shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't be doing to really mask over how I was feeling. And I kind of got to a point where, it was unfair to get involved with two, you know, two key friends, close friends of mine to also invest into a brand new business when I truly can't be out. And it wasn't that I couldn't be out around you guys, because actually looking back now, I'm like, why the hell didn't I do? You know, it's mental. But I think it comes to a point where you kind of have to sit there and just take stock and say, I just can't get involved with it right now. And I think- At the time, were, were you living with your partner at the time? Yeah, so I, I think, well, yeah, so I think, no, no, I was living on my own, but obviously I was with a partner and, you know, he would stay over, you know, quite a lot of time. You've been with him for years, haven't you? Because like, we yeah, all thought he was your best years. friend. Yeah, Before everyone he was, was he was your, I'd met him loads. Like, he'd been, he'd come out for drinks and yeah. he's an estate agent and he's a good lad. And again, like, I never thought twice about it, if I'm honest. I thought he was your yeah. main course, like, so. Yeah, and I think mo- and most people did, right? And I think that's, uh, and that How many people years. knew about, how many people knew the truth? Oh, not, not mine. So I think when I come back to work, I think it was about a year before I told, you know, close friends, as you know, you know, Hayley, who I obviously brought on on my journey, she's still with me to this day, which is great. But yeah, it's a, a selective close friends. Um, but yeah, I think before it kind of really come to a head, particularly around when we, I just kind of had to just, I just had to kind of take stock before getting involved with anything else. I really kind of got to a point where I just said the next thing for me, I have to just put my best foot forward because actually it's really destructive. And I think mentally it was quite tough to carry that for, you know, 10, 12, 15 or most. Part is, it, of my life. is it the, is it the, like, again, I'm, I'm totally inquisitive here. No judgment. Yeah. I don't know how it feels. So is it, is it the fear of what people say? Is it the fact that you're living, you're lying all the time? Like, what is, you say you're carrying it, and I completely get it, but I can't mm. empathise. What is the feeling of, what, what's going through your mind when you're, like I say, you're hiding it from everyone, you, you, mm. you're having a relationship, you, you know, you know who you are, but no one else does. Like, what's going through your mind at that point? I think a mixture of emotions, honestly. I think there was quite lo- quite lonely, if I'm honest, at the time. I think being able to, I think there's a combination of fear of acceptance, you know, what will people say, not wanting to change actually a lot of the key people around you and the fear of what they would say. So I think, again, a big part of it was, you know, for sure acceptance. I think it is massively quite lonely. I think going through that and having to, you know, having to just, having to, having to lie and having to deal with that a lot of times, but also putting a bit of a mask on, right? So you come in and, bold confident Anthony god he's got everything and people outside would be like Jesus Christ really but actually masking over certain things and the emotion of it was just really quite tough and I think it just come to a bit of a head where I just said to myself there has to be a point where did you put like a deadline in that new year of 2017 did you put like a timeline in your head or anything of when you wanted to announce it or how how you just I think I think yeah partly but I just I think it just come to a point where it just had to happen at that right time. And I think I didn't really put a date on it, but I just said to myself, 
I have to, before I take any other decisions, work-wise, business-wise, or put my best foot forward. And I just can't no longer carry that feeling. And it's hard to identify what, you know, put an emotion up feeling, but I think it's a, a mixture of emotions of what that felt like. You, I, did, um, I think you moved jobs almost at the same time, though, didn't you? You took a yeah, new Yeah, I moved, I moved, obviously, I, le I, I left, obviously, Venquist, right? And I kind of started to go out into the marketplace and uh, met, obviously, a couple of our key competitors at the time, <laughs> at the time, which are uh, great businesses, still good businesses to this day. But I think the reason that I, you know, the massive part of the reason I took the job with Career Legal Stroke DVF was, the inclusive part and i think you know when you get that feeling of honestly did you I, tell did you tell the new the, the guy you was who was going to start up with you did you tell him from day one not straight away yeah not not no. straight away because it didn't it didn't come up but i um yeah quite quickly i think quite quickly within even before i started or you know i think within the first week that i started it definitely it definitely came up but i think it was definitely part of, a massive part of the decision took a job that was it was still a startup wasn't it but within mm. a within a group yeah. so instead of starting from scratch you took a startup within a group with yeah it was about 15 months old basically two guys yeah. started it and they decided to go and set up and it was probably heavily money for a good few months yeah. but yeah so it was still at the early inception phase but I think it was a weird one when I interviewed and for for career legal degree when I come out the lift the bright spark that I found on the reception you know it just it felt from Not the right. kind of second that I come out of the lift generally and it may be part of it might have been part of me part of it but just when I come out I went across the floor that a really big open floor space I mean I've never seen so many female recruits just as well honestly I've, you know it was it was um it was mad and I kind of said wow the business been down 30 years but I and it was a massive part of my decision making process because it just felt inclusive from uh, Michael Swaby, the board director that I've obviously interviewed with, just his whole openness generally just from the outset, from the people that I've met when I walked across the floor. And it just was, yeah, it just it just felt right. And I think it was a massive red flag risk factor, right? Because it's a startup and going to the comfortable, you know, opposition of Venquist to, you know, go into a role that was really strong quite comfortably. Um, but it just felt right. And I think, again, it's it really did feel quite inclusive. I think that also helped me just being putting my best foot forward, to be honest. So it was a combination of the environment, but also getting to a point where I just have to kind of be ant really and can't no longer just have this little mask that feels like it's in front and of And was court, courts the same? Had he, had he not told anyone either? No, before. So family not and then work-wise was open. So I think, you know, when you're in a relationship and someone is encouraging and supportive, I think it definitely plays a part to helping you be more comfortable and you know identify yourself in a, in a better way so definitely having that support system helped I think before the coming out with work I was open to quite a few good friends and I feel right. that was I mean they How just did you do it they would literally just sit them down or what, what, what was no, the problem well what I'd done I was on a friend's stag and I had before I mean I could have ruined his stag but it was one of my best <laughs> friend's stags in Ibiza and I decided to um just drop a message before I go in because I was going with court and I just said to yeah. myself, you know what? It just feels right. So I dropped a bit of a, a message to pretty much the whole group that was on there. I think there was kind of five or six people on there. And, um, and actually probably going to IB before that weekend was probably really great because actually it was just, you know, the, the, the boys that my friends, you know, for, from school had nothing but, you know, positive things to say. The love was there throughout. And I think, again... Think Did they already know, do you think? Yeah, I think a couple was shocked, to be honest. And then a couple comes, oh, we kind of had an idea. But then, you know, we didn't really kind of... You're just ant, right? So I think, yeah, yeah some, some people to some degree. But I think it's a bit of a challenge sometimes where I'm a bit of a lad's lad. And I think naturally people don't straight away 
kind of see you as gay. I think sometimes it's yeah probably a little bit more difficult because um, you automatically kind of get put into the straight camp, if that makes sense. So, um, but yeah, no, they was really really supportive. And again, I think when your kind of closest friends around you are kind of really supportive, it kind of gives you that next layer of kind of confidence to go again. And I think that obviously impacted and supported on the work work side as well. I'm interrupting this episode to bring a message from one of our sponsors, Vincere, who um, they're quite similar to Hoxo, I believe. What I love about Vincere is I think we've got very similar visions on the way we do things. And, you know, we do a lot of sharing about customer stories and successes. And I think they've they've tried to really share why you should pick them as a business through their customers rather than just talking for the sake of talking. So, What I've been checking out recently, if you go on their YouTube channel, type V-I-N-C-E-R-E on YouTube and have a look at what they've been doing, you'll notice that they've been sharing stories from their community on a weekly basis. And what's amazing about this is that the customers have been raving about things like ease of use, configurability, because look, we're not techies in recruitment for fuck's sake. There's a reason we are in recruitment. It's because we're probably not the most technical minded in many senses, but Vincere's tool actually is, you know, it's configurable for most people. Um, And they've got all these features now from, you know, video interviewing, all these different areas that they're trying to bring in so that you don't really need to invest in other tech platforms. You can have a one-stop shop solution that will give you everything. Um, But don't just take Vincere's word for it. Watch their YouTube channel. Find out what their customers think. I found it really interesting and uh, it's been awesome. So check out Vincere on YouTube. Um, and everything's on there. What I want to go backwards now. So yeah. Like, when did you, like, so what age did you start to know notice that you? Oh, I think all, uh, I think always to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. I think I was, I was dating, dating girls throughout school, after school. I was in a quite a long, long three and a half year relationship with a girl, but wow. I think I, I always knew it was always there. I was always attracted to guys, but I think again, you know, being from, I'm obviously from South East London, having quite a, not anyone, I mean, there's no one around me that was gay at the time. So no one in my yeah, family, yeah. no one, I mean, I, you know, grew up in a bit of a household where it was, people was taking the piss out of, right? Gay people, if I'm honest. And I think, again, it's a lot of kind of knowledge, education. Um, but yeah, I think the, you know, for us, I, I knew from 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 the youngest of ages that, I, you know, that there was, I was feeling, you know, I had different feelings to everyone else. But again, I would, I also found girls attractive at the time, you know, going through school and mm. and out of school and stuff like that. So um, again, it was a real struggle. So I, you know, who am I? I, can't, I don't identify either here. What what's going on and stuff. So that was mentally mentally quite tough again, and just trying That's to navigate right. my way. I mean, the thought of the thought of having that on your head mm. from even like teenage, like childhood and teenage years. Mm. I mean, incredible, mate. Like to yeah. be able to, to cope with that. Tough and and dark, and dark, right? I did, you know, you know. I, I talk about it. I'm quite positive now, and I'm quite upbeat about it. But at times, really, mentally, quite tough. You know, going through school, your teens, and you know, meeting lots of different people, fight, navigating yourself into work and stuff. But always having a bit of a feeling where God, I don't really fit in here, or I don't have the same feelings as your friends that are around you and stuff. And yeah, tough, tough, t- tough times mentally to go through. But again, I think always trying to push forward and not let that be the blocker of not wanting to be successful and stuff. So, um, yes, yeah, you know, it's yeah, it, it did definitely get and it has got <laughs> p- 
pretty pretty dark at times. And, and, and I remember and even you said you like your family. It was difficult with your mum, wasn't it? When you first yeah, hundred percent. And I knew it would be. My mom, yeah. You know, bless my mum now. I mean, she's so much more open minded, and I think definitely probably been the most blessing out of everything that you know I talk about today. Is my biggest fear was going into that conversation with my mum, and I, you know, I knew how it was going to go because I just know my mum's like quite. Rash, uh, emotional. I mean, I mean, she's as soon as I, I mean, if you think of absolutely fabulous, the old school series that used to be on TV, mm. my mum was there as soon as I turned up on the phone trying to dial to get someone to give me advice to, you know, you're okay, you know, the whole everything you could imagine it being was played out in a five minute, you know, yeah. five minutes. Like go and, and speak to a doctor, basically. Yeah, I'll like, go honestly on the phone to dial in into an American number somewhere to say you out to me to have this conversation. I said, I'll have the conversation, but it's not going to change. And I think I, fe- I feared my brother the most, really, because, I mean, my brother is quite a macho lad's lad. And, I mean, he was the best one out of the whole situation because he just said, Mum, you're mental. You would generally lose Anthony if you don't sort, sort your shit out, basically. And yeah. I am... Um, I'd, yeah, I thank him to this day for that, really, because he's been a, he's been, yeah, it's been amazing through the journey, to be honest. Because he's quite, he's very similar to, I mean, I've never even met Dan. I've just seen him on your Instagram, but I know people that <laughs> you obviously, I know you well enough. But yeah, he's similar to you, isn't he, though? He's, he's got that same sort of big personality and he's, yeah. his dance moves are incredible. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, he's obviously, he's, he's straight, he's got kids. He's, yeah. You know, he could have gone, could have gone down the same mm. route as your mum and been like, well, you know, but he didn't. And, no, and he was a massive advocate, advocate generally, and ha- you know, even to this day, you know, we're best friends and best friends now. And I think he was the one generally that really kind of got my mum actually on board. And she just kind of, yeah, I think over, over time, I think at the time, my mum was quite emotional, quite hot headed. You know, around her, she doesn't have any, you know, so it was knowledge again. And it's, I think, you know, when you're growing up in South East London, a lot of the time you grow up to what you know and grandparents and it's really ingrained in tradition and family but um yeah when i grew up most of the country is like you know in the days we grew up in the 90s it was mm. you know gays people were different and they, yeah. you know no one in school it's like the football league now right you've had the first player come out and it will it will now be yeah. a it'll be a spot you've had two referees oh, and yeah, it, it's got to i mean it's fucking hell i mean the amount of men in playing sport who not admitting it it's not yeah but, but it's kind of like what life was like in in every environment, wasn't it? It was mm. school, work. No one would, you know, you didn't meet many gay people. It doesn't mean that they exist. It just means they yeah. were. It's so so sad, really, that the society mm. we we still live in. Don't get me wrong; it's not changed. Yeah, hundred percent. It's not. Yeah. It's not ended, but it's getting better. It's got. To it's be improving. Better. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 hundred percent improving. There's some real good success stories from it. But again, it's having these conversations, right? I think sometimes it is having some of those uncomfortable uncomfortable conversations where other people can look at it and actually take a take a little bit from it. I think social media's helped to some degree as well because you know there's a lot more um, openness. There's there's definitely a lot more community more than what there you know there was when I have kind of been navigating my way through it. But um, yeah, so my brother's definitely played a good good part to being quite a uh, good driving force of making my mum feel be quite different. I think anyone who loves you genuinely, even if they do have the initial reaction like your mum, yeah. they've got they'll get on board, right? I mean I'm me, I remember when me and Amma found out and we, we were like, now it all makes sense. Like because yeah. we were like, why would he go from to start with us to staying and then moving and basically doing a startup somewhere else? Like it just didn't make sense. Yeah. But then I was like, imagine dealing with that as well as a complete startup in your underpants. Like, yeah, we would not have been sat in our underpants, but you get the point. <laughs> but, you know, 
dealing with those two major things because starting your own company is not it's you know you you've got to pick the right time it's it's not for 100%. everyone and you know um, you've got to put 150 percent into it but i think yeah. you've also got to put 150 percent of you and yeah uh, you know and i think that was for me and also letting myself down and letting you guys down. and i think i just i just couldn't it just wasn't right and i think no. uh, you know a big part of it was what i do next has to i have to be and and i have to truly genuinely be a hundred percent out because you can't i just couldn't carry it so um well yeah i'm, I'm really proud Look, we were we were instantly proud of you we had no yeah like, we you. were like you know we loved it we loved the fact you were you were being yourself what tell me what we'll talk about work in a minute because this is a big topic but tell yeah. me about your life then so let's go back to from 2017 onwards when yeah when you became when you became the true anthony and everyone found out about courtney and do you guys live together now or you've always yeah. you, lived together since, yeah. Right? So, yeah. you, you know everything in your life suddenly becomes out in the open what impact did that actually have on things like, you know, relationships, social events, all sorts? Like, what changed? I just think it's so weird, right? Because I think not much has changed. I've still got the same, same group of friends. I've been the same friends since mm. I've been in school. They still, you know, we still take the take the piss out of each other a lot, a lot of the yeah. time and stuff like that. But actually, I think what just, you know, you go to a lot more things, right? You're not, you're just a lot more... You kind of just a lot of go. I generally feel like now, and people say I lit up a room before, but mm. I didn't feel like I lit up a room before. But I feel generally now I can, I don't, I'm not holding back anything. I'm really quite open. I, if I'm invited to stuff, there's often a lot of yeses where before there was a lot of no's for whatever reason. I'd sometimes make up reasons, right? And I think now it's just, yeah, not much has changed in terms of day to day life. But I think I've just, the people I've got around me are still the same. But Actually, they've definitely seen a better version of me, and I quite often sit there and say, "God, you know, like." Yeah, so I feel like I feel I'm definitely a lot more confident. I feel so much more open to just listening, hearing, talking about stuff. I'm a lot more of a yes man to go and do things and tick a lot more boxes now, which is good, and not separating people, conversations, you know, work from home life, and you know, where you before kind of always navigating, keeping things. Yeah. Separate Mate, I remember, like, I, I yeah. live five minutes. You used to say to me a lot of time, didn't you? I remember. I'd be it. like, oh, let me come around and see you. You lived in Beckham and Mills and Christmas, but five yeah. Let me come around. Oh, you always had an excuse. I never got to your house once because yeah. you were, and I didn't know anyone around it. So I was like, Mate, yeah. you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, but I need to go and do this, I need to go and do that. And I was like, he's never fucking in this lad. But the truth is, you yeah. obviously lived with him or he'd be there and you yeah. didn't want it. I get it now. And it's like, feel so sad that, that you had to go through that but it's great that you've come out the other side and um, and what was it like integrating within the lgbtq community like going from not i suppose hiding it to then being open yeah i think do you know what's been good quite good i've had you know i've had a, a good friend that i've probably had for oh, 18 years that's a little bit older than me but actually has integrated me to meet new people and i've got a you know a small quite a, still quite a small but actually just some great, great guys that I've really, I've learned a hell of a lot as well. So going from being a pretty, you know, hanging around mostly straight people for most part of my life, which is, you know, which is still a big part of life, which is great. But actually now having really good people that are probably the next layer of the journey in front of me, um, but really so open and actually um, kind of bring me involved in other different things that are going on. They take me to different places where you meet more people and stuff like that. So again, and it's only just ever felt massively inclusive. I think I'm still on the journey. I think mm. I'm still I'm still navigating my way. I, I genuinely it feels like kind of five, six, seven years, but um, I'm still I'm still day to day opening up to different different things i'm hearing about more things within the community that i definitely had no clue about um so yeah it's uh it's and it's exciting i'm 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 actually excited to be part of 
following that path, if that makes sense, and going down it and just opening up to, to different things. And there's so much interesting stuff out there. There's so many business leaders, business owners as well. And I'm kind of, um, yeah, taken back by it, but actually just embracing all, every part of it, really, which is good. Amazing. And so let's go back to then taking on the job. You open, yep. like you, your life's open. How was, talk me through the, the DVF journey. So when you started, what was the situation in the business? Yeah, so I was lucky enough to, um, obviously, when I took the to TVF and it got started, you know, two guys kick-started it, but it was... Um, are they still there and are they still was, there? No. Yeah, no, no. So they, le- so they left and it was, they've had a couple of guys, you know, leaders driving the business that didn't work out. And um, mm-hmm. when I come aboard, you know, Michael Sway was quite open and honest to sit there and say the state of the business, this is what the challenge looks like. And I was thinking, oh, God, I can't do this on my own. And I, at the time, obviously, Hayley Charles, I got into Venquist. I thought I can go and maybe knock on her doors and Dominique and see if they'll join me. Yeah, yeah. And um, lucky enough that I kind of got them into a room and they believed in the vision and what I wanted to go and do. But um, What's DBF Campbell? Is it a name? So DBFC, yeah, so DBF is a formula. It's not anyone's surname or dodgy initials or anything like that, but it's a formula for change. So D is the, you know, in, there is an, is an actual formula for change. So D is dis- being dissatisfied with something. B is the vision of wanting to change it. And then F is the future steps you put in place to oh, wow. make the change happen. So, um, okay. yeah, it's a, it's a fairly recognised, you know, change formula in the marketplace so but it does make sense right if you yeah. want to you want to get a new partner you're dissatisfied with them you look at what the next could look like and then the future steps to get them out <laughs> oh, I don't use that analogy with um, winning clients but if it, like, yeah i've been there i've been there in a relationship <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, luckily i've not had that with Amma yet we, we, we're still in the uh yeah i'm we'll safe for now yeah we're in a good position we're uh do you know what it's been mad just so like since I think the dynamic between the three of us would have been like, we would have done an amazing job. I know we would have, because I worked with you and I worked with him and you worked together. It would have been fine. But I think me and, so what happened is we we actually brought a different partner in, didn't we, when we started the marketing business. Yeah. A guy I grew up with who was a personal friend from school. And that was so Jake, different. Right? Was it Jake? No, Mark. Oh, Mark. So Jake, Jake's Sorry. my brother, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we did, we did and, and he was with us for a couple of years, but it just didn't work. Like the dynamic with Mark was, He'd not worked in London. He hadn't worked in recruitment. He obviously was in marketing, which is what we needed. But I don't think the working relationships that we had, he didn't, he didn't get it. And and it, well, it's not that he didn't get it, but he, he was coming out from there. We were coming out from there. And it just, it just, it got to a point where we were like, we're no longer friends if we don't exit this. So yeah, he left in 2019. And then me and Amma have took the business on from there. And it is, it it's is mad. Fun, like, We've yeah. never, we've, we've genuinely never had an argument. We've never had a bad word to say. Like we've, obviously, we've made mistakes, and there might be times where I'm, you know, I don't even think that, I, don't, I actually don't think there's been times where I've gone, oh, I wish he hadn't done that. Or it just there is, like, there is people and partnerships that you have, and I think similar to to Haley, I kind of echo this. I mean, we've never never had a crossword right and mm. that's friendship and then building a business, right? Building your business bare bones from the ground upwards with uh, a. F- you know, not massively support from a technology market in finance, you know, literally going out and roll your sleeves up on your own. Um, and we've had, honestly, probably the, the most incredible journey building it together um, where we are today, but actually never had a crossword, honestly, which, uh, so I, I do think, you know, you kind of sit there and surprised by it, but it's, uh, yeah, you guys have done phenomenal and I'm super proud of everything you're doing and it's growing and building and it's exciting to see how both of our journeys have gone really. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, you got Haley and Dom in. And yeah. I work, I work with them both, right? Superman contract. And you mm. went, 
change and transformation. Same sort of roles we recruited, BAs, PM, yeah. developers, tech tech roles. How did that, how's that like five years? Has it been a complete linear like growth path or have you had ups yeah, and downs? Fortunate, for, I mean, definitely ups and downs, you know, some really fantastic highs, some highs you kind of look back and I think, I think all great, you know, being able to have, build a business without having to financially use, you know, your money is, um, you know, a bit of a blessing in disguise really because you're able to kind of make mistakes, probably rush too quickly out the traps and, you know, run before you can walk. Um, but I think, yeah, being able to not only build a business, but build a business with, you know, one of your best friends and, you know, which I think, which is amazing. And I think we've definitely grown year on year, which is fantastic. And I think we haven't massively been impacted even with COVID, which I think is, you know, shows part of, you know, how successful the people that we've got in. I think clients clients have been significantly low. So a lot of the clients have stuck with us, give us significant amount of work, you know, in, in a market where a lot of the tax got turned off. So I think really goes to show how well we've partnered with these businesses. Um, but actually what we have also done, I think probably the last couple of years is the team's phenomenal. And I think building a, I'm anyone that I do meet generally it kind of I'll do echo this sometimes I feel like I'm boring when I say that I I always say to people coming through you'll have the right tools I'll give you all the tools to do the job but I'd never want to change who you are and I want you to come out of that lift and be fully 100% who you are because I think when you can really do that and build a, a team from different backgrounds you know different backgrounds walks of life if you can really truly do that the dynamic that you do get if you can make it as collaborative as possible is really really powerful and i think that's probably been why dvs massively catapulted it's not just me you know i'm part of it Haley's part of it but actually it's the people that we've got um but definitely bumps in the road, lots of lessons learned with, you know, with hiring, you know, trying to not build too quickly. Um, but kind Did, you of, yeah. pressure? Did you have any pressure? Because you obviously, you, you know, oh, the, the benefit of someone else's money is you can make mistakes, but the, 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 the other side is it's not your, <laughs> someone, you're burning someone's cash, right? Yeah. I know uh, Mike, uh, Charlie is what you call him, right? So, yeah, yeah. Charlie, has he, has he ever? Is it? Have you ever felt like there's someone else? I think there was pressure, pressure from day one. Right? I think there was pressure from day one because I think the business was in a place where a few people had a crack at it and it wasn't working, and it, you know, you know, it was a business that was costing. So I think as soon as you come through the door, there's all eyes on everyone sitting on DVF because I think from the wider business, it's kind of this business is you know it's on fire. What's going on here? So I think there was definitely pressure from absolute day one, um, but actually distracting yourself from that and understanding what we're here to do what we're here to build how we're going to build it who's taken what role and actually just not kind of getting caught up in you know it's a long game right and we're here to build a build a business it's not about getting one deal over the line it's actually building a business where we can get significant business after that is um yeah but i think it was yeah navigating that but being able to navigate that pressure with not having to hide who i am internally was Pretty, pretty, pretty easy to be honest. Um, so yeah, there was yeah, a question from how, how did that? How did the 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 openness of your personal life? How did that impact the your ability to do the job? I think significantly. I think I just think you know ideas, bringing ideas to the table. Not, I, I, it's hard to kind of. Um, I was kind of sitting there last night saying, how do you really pinpoint that? But I think being able to come in and truly not having to hide who you are you know, and getting your suit on every day and leaving the house, having to feel like that, that feeling going away and being able to kind of come into work. Is, is, you know, I guess it's like, I guess it's just like having a bit of a blockage, isn't it? Even though you can only think yeah. so much because you've always got that there. Whereas when you remove it, you're, 
your capacity just goes up. You're completely right. And I think that part of your brain and capacity is taken up by other stuff that isn't work, right? So Always thinking it, about right, who's yeah. gonna who's gonna find out? What do I need to cover up? What do I need to yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that is and that from being bringing ideas, you know, driving things forward, being open, communicating, collaboration, it, it impacts on the whole lot. And I think but you still I, nailed it though. You still nailed three yeah. four hundred whatever, like three four hundred years with, with that pressure. So with that oh, on your head. Yeah, so and I think again, life, taking right? that and again pulling that layer back, again generally has really catapulted everything around what we you know. We're still building, we're still learning, we're still growing. But actually, when you could truly go into somewhere, when you are a bit of a force to be reckoned with anyway, and not have that uncomfortable feeling, honestly, it's 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 where it can be so rewarding. Um, but I think lessons learned as well. And I think sometimes I fall into the traps of, you know, the stereotypes and, you know, and it's, it's trying to leave behind some of the things that actually you want to leave behind and actually build a business where you want it to be inclusive. Because it isn't just about, and it isn't just about Hayley, isn't, you know, it is about, and the, the successes, the teams and the growth and how we can collaborate, how we communicate, but also the people that we're hiring. Um, and I think there's still a long way to what go. What people think... are you hiring? Because you were always like me. We always hired like me, people who've done a bit of a journey in life. More yeah, oh, yeah. Honestly, that's the best part of it, right? Yeah. The, the journey and, and different backgrounds. But I mean... I've got a guy, you know, ex-monk, Harry Krishna, I love him to pieces. I won't mind me shouting him out. It'd probably be quite exciting. AJ, yeah, wow. he was a monk. And, and you know, and I think, again, having a team where you just hear different stories and you and listen, I think historically I've done a lot of talking because I was masking over things, whereas i probably say the last five years, seven years, there's a lot more listening and bringing openness, listening to ideas and and soaking that up and understanding that I've got a way to do things and there's a vision, but actually let's change things, mix things up if we have to, change the dynamics of what we're doing and really just be quite open to hearing and listening to a lot of other people's ideas. And that doesn't have to come from five, seven, ten years of recruitment experience. I get most of my ideas and I'm inspired by most of the guys that are sitting on the team with me. Um, and I think it's not being afraid to change things if you have to. Our second sponsor is always District 4. Um, District 4 have worked with me. Um, I've been a partner to this show for a long time. And they are designing, designing a business that effectively wants to give recruiters their time back and also allow them to start a business. So do you want to have more time? Do you want to build more money? Do you want to spend more time with family? Do you want longer weekends? Well, all of D4's members have found that. You know, they don't have meetings and commuting and all the unnecessary shite that a lot of recruitment businesses put their teams through, especially when they start and they think they have to keep all of the structure that they've had before. Sometimes for people like you, and some, I mean, I'm a bit like that, I like to wake up and just know I can control my destiny on a given day. And District 4 allows you to do that. So if you're somebody who wants to start a recruitment business or has already started and is struggling to scale um, in the way that you want to, not the traditional way, then get in touch via www.districtfour.io forward slash Hoxo. Check out what they can do. How did the community that candidates and clients react? Because you, do you, you I think you posted about it about a year ago, but did you, yeah, did you start I, telling people in on the phone in meetings? Like, how did you, how did it trickle into your? <laughs> I never, I don't know. I never, I've never really kind of put a banner. I just because I don't think that's just me anyway, right? I think yeah. just uh, I always want to just kind of if it comes up in conversation, I'm just quite open about it. Um, but anyone, I've, I, anyone that I've ever told, I think when I posted 
that quite open post last year, the amount of people that reached out that I may have worked with, placed before, haven't spoken to for a few years. It was honestly, it was incredible. It took, it took, it was quite overwhelming actually. And I think quite emotional just to hear so much quite nice comments from people generally. And I think again, you know, I posted a status only the other day, again, just people that have reached out and stuff. So yeah, candidates, clients, and it's nothing been but positive, which is great. And actually I think it's made some of those partnerships even stronger. Um, but I think I'm, I'm also still learning to deal with the conversation when it comes up at the right point. So there's no means now I've been out for, you know, five years. I've got, I've got it all right. I'm still learning to this day. Sometimes I still kick myself when I come out of a meeting room and the conversations come up and I didn't deal with that in the right way. So I don't think it's uh like what, what, give me an example of what would have happened. Uh, I think, you know, we're, you know, I've gone to a client meeting potentially where they're all talking about their children, their makeup, their background and, and maybe at that time I've kind of not chipped in and added my weight and spoken a bit more about me. So I think yeah. again, it's it's not that they were like I've been certain people have been really open with, and not that they weren't homophobic or anything. No, no, not no, yeah. far from it. I think it's my if it's me, it's internally it's me. So it's definitely not them. I think it's also me still navigating, just being comfortable with the uncomfortable in my own in my own way and own skin. But yeah, it's only been ever nothing but positive, and I think I'm definitely still each day learning and going through that process and becoming more confident with it. I think, you know, again, it's, I think some, some people feel like you, you know, you come out, <laughs> there's this big banner that you come out, you walk down the street, you've got the flag with you and every, it's a marching band behind you and away you go. It's far from that. And I think everyone deals with that process in a really different way and every way is right, you know, and I think it's just, um, for me, it's You just, are right. It's not like, you know, you don't just meet people with a badge on saying, "Oh, by the way, I'm gay." No, you know, like it's like yeah. it's always gonna it's always gonna be a topic that either you've got to bring up or it's gonna stumble. You're gonna stumble like they're gonna say like, you know, you in a, you're married or whatever, and then you'll be like, "Have you got yeah. kids?" And then it'll be like, "Oh, oh it's always you got kids." I mean, I get yeah. it. You get it all the time. You know, you so if I said to, if I'm a clown, have you got kids yourself? Yeah. How do you respond? What do you say? No, so I haven't. I've got nephews. Would <laughs> <laughs> that would you then say, "No, I'm gay. I don't have kids." Oh, no, again, it's a different, right? I think definitely this has come up where I said, yeah, I am gay. And there's, there's definitely when I've come up and just said, no, I haven't, I haven't yet. Um, <laughs> maybe one day. Um, so different, really. But again, it's kind of when you do come out and you're quite open, it's not a, you no. push a button and it, everything all changes, right? It's then that kind of next stage of when you do come out, then it's a kind of process, right? And it's, it's learning, it's understanding, it's being more confident. You know, this today is probably the most thing that I've probably never wanted to i wouldn't dream of doing right but again kind of we've had conversations about it and kind of five years on now thinking actually do you know well, i've had this podcast for three years so it's took yeah. me a while yeah so it's, um it's, it's, it's a, it's a process i think what you've hopefully learned and and, and i again i'm sure there's there's bad stories and negatives and no one can quote me but i i hope most people you do open up to you will be surprised by their response. Like the fact that yeah, they're very, definitely. you know, they support you. Like, mm. you know, most people I believe are good. Most people yeah. want to see the good in people. And, you know, it, it, I look at life like it, it, it doesn't affect me. Like you do whatever yeah. you want. I don't like, I do what I want. You do what you want. As long as we're good to each other. Like who cares? Yeah. I'm, if anything, I'm interested. I'm genuinely intrigued by it. Like, yeah. And, and, it, and it has been that. And I think there's quite a few people that I hold, have told that actually, it's really helped them educate themselves, right? Yeah. And I think it's 
you know, if you if they haven't thought about it, they know about it. They've asked, they, I mean, ask me the most randomest questions, but actually, do you know, it is, it is learning. Well, that, that was what I wanted to ask you then. So let's say we, a lot of the people listening are going to be recruiters, ideally recruitment owners, right? Yeah. Who, who might, I wouldn't say they're necessarily, they're going to be gay themselves or homosexual in any way, but they might have, they're probably going to have staff that they don't even know about. Yeah. So how do they create an environment where their teams can open up because you felt for a long time you couldn't in fact yeah, you moved so. jobs you moved jobs multiple times to the point where you you found an environment and it felt good it's not like those companies were bad we had some you know great times but something wasn't there for you yeah, to feel definitely. safe so what definitely. can a com- what could i do at hoxo what could other business owners do to I make think there's, I think there's, a, I think there's a, lot, a lot of things you can do and i think it starts by you know internally you know, having a bit of a committee, right? If you've got a, it's not, and we take, you know, LGBTQ one part, but, you know, diversity and inclusion, let's look at it as a, let's look at it as a key topic. I think it's having internally, you know, a bit of a committee where you've got real ambassadors in the organization. Because I think building an inclusive environment is what the, the key driver is and how you build that. So it's not about the post and, the, you know, post and the, the marketing piece is one part, right? But actually how you can build an inclusive team internally, I think it starts with having openness. I think it starts with who's part of the recruitment process when you are hiring, you know, and that has can to be... You, but, you, but can you ask people these things? You can't, can you? You can't say yeah. in an interview, like, are you gay? Like, you can't... No, no, no. But I, I mean, when you're... It's who's interviewing, right? So who's part of that interview process? How inclusive are the yeah. people that are interviewing that's bringing people through the door? How are you attracting the talent that comes through the door? Where are you going to get these individuals from? That's part, obviously, the recruitment one part. Internally as an organisation, do you have leaders, ambassadors, a committee, community internally that have got people that they can go to that they can feel comfortable. And that just doesn't have to be salespeople. I think, you know, that has to be people across the organization, take HR aside essentially, and have a community where people can feel safe. Again, you know, Career Legal Stroke DVF is we've got ambassadors across the whole company that look at everything from race, age, neurodiversity, where they've got real allies that you can go to at any point of the day that actually is inclusive across the organization. There's regular things that happen in month on month, week on week, there's training. So I think it's, there's not kind of, again, a button that you tick and it's how in, how can we be inclusive, but there's so much that you can do as a business to really create an open, open environment for people to come through. And it's not about, like you said, it's not about asking people when they come through and asking the questions, but it's being able to create an environment where people feel open that they can, you know, they can be themselves. Um, yeah, I think I, I, what I'm getting from this and what I've learned in the last few years through my own journey of, of, mm. of, tr- of co- I've got a coach, right? And I think judgment is the word that, that yeah. probably, because I'd say our relationship was very open. Like you knew fucking everything mm. about my relationship mm. with, with FIDs and, yeah. family and like we knew that but i'm not sure i probably gave you enough of the feeling that i wouldn't judge like maybe some of the things i said about others in your presence but as a as it, you know and, and, I, and I'd, I'd pinpoint my own behavior and say well you know i've not always been perfect probably probably heard things that made you think well maybe he's not gonna 
be it. Yeah. Know, I don't know. I can't yeah, go back to a scenario. But... You've got to think also sometimes, you know, recruitment industries, you, if you look, I've been in recruitment 12 years, where I've trained, learned how you train, the floor historically has been quite macho, male, you know, not always male dominated, right, yeah. but quite macho. Yeah, and I think it's it's just really understanding some of those, banter's great. I mean, I'm probably the first, the, you know, massively fun on the front foot with it, but I think it's also just being quite sensitive around some of that and tackling some of those conversations because it actually can sometimes be quite uncomfortable to be able to and that's me who has felt quite confident at the time so again it's really just understanding that's never going to change an industry but actually are the teams inclusive is your hiring inclusive what is the teams made up of and I think it's being able to sometimes break down some of those barriers and actually I think a lot of it does come down to how inclusive you are in your team and how you, inclusive you are as a company. I think the challenge is, though, it's, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm just thinking about it from a, I don't know. I still don't really fully know what inclusive mm. means. Like, yeah. so for example, I've got, a, I've got a really diverse team. I've got, mm. in my direct net, like internal team, I've got a couple of people in, in, Kate, in, in Pretoria in South Africa. I've got a guy yeah. in Portugal. I've got one in, I've got a one in, one in Cape Town, one in Portugal, one in, Lake District, one in um, Chesterfield. I'm in Sheffield. You know, we've got it. We got we got a girl in Barbados. We got we got people all over, and we're trying to be in, we're trying to be inclusive. Like we're trying to have regular communication, regular conversations, find out how people feel. We have a people manager who talks to everyone and asks them, like tries to understand. Do you have their a life. Do you have a, a DNI agenda no, in terms absolutely of absolutely yeah. not right now? So which is something a, that yeah, yeah that's having, I mean. having a plan for you know for the year what are the key things throughout the year what are the months that are really quite important and actually having a and again it's everyone has their day jobs right a lot of recruiters are busy billing and that tends to be what takes up the time like you know when you're talking about marketing but actually having a a committee, like you said, where you have a full agenda for the year, you start to plan stuff, you start to create, you know, mini events internally and stuff. And it's it's great having a, a really diverse team top down, who's on the management team, who's a, your decision making process at the board level. And I think, again, career legal DVF is, is 70% females. Most of the good females are working mum. Again, it's, I'm talking about DNI as, you know, you know, being in the bracket, not just, you know, LGBTQ, but it's, there's, having a it's taken serious i think it's having a real plan structure and it becomes a thing where it's not just sometimes about you know getting some people through the door we've got a really great people person but actually who's part of the decision making process and top down it's really consistent there's regular communication but there's also a bit of a plan behind what you're doing we're, we're looking at that right now which is a, you know an annual events calendar and that covers everything yeah. from yeah, social yeah. to oh, to understanding what's going on and we, we're looking at that right now we've got a people manager who's brilliant she's um, she's looking at her job is to ensure that the happiness of our staff is ultimately mm-hmm. there, like getting increasing and the satisfaction. Yeah, yeah this is something I we think need it's to also being. I think it's also just being open to really communicating regularly how open you are to change and hear from people. You know, doing you know regular surveys, you know, every quarter or every six months. Get get all the staff to just be quite open. It can be confidential because again, sometimes you know, if someone's quite new to business, do they want to speak up, come up with ideas and stuff? Whereas if they can feel like it is quite confidential, and actually if they can bring new ideas to the table, they're going to get listened to. It's a follow up process to make sure that is communicated and stuff like that. So again, it's a not a kind of a there's not a button to kind of switch on switch off no. but actually there's a lot of things that you can be doing which kind of drives you culturally in the right direction um and i think again it, it there's yeah 
there's a lot of work everyone needs to be doing. And so what do you see still... in your what do you see in the client base you're working with? Like, is it is it it's more a... in the bigger companies? Is it more advanced? It's interesting, right? And I've I've been I've been having these conversations very much heavily quite this year. And I think there's been for the last three four years there's been loads of you know talk, lots of branding, and lots of lots of board level discussions where it needs to be a priority and one of the top priorities, probably one of the top three priorities as an organisation. And I think there's been loads of active conversations which is definitely the right start i think the challenge what you've had is the numbers haven't changed you know and i think across the marketplace there's some been some good successes but i think across the board there hasn't been significant change in terms of actually bringing diverse individuals into the organization well, the problem with insurance used to be that they wouldn't hire from outside of insurance no never yeah. mind never mind like ethnicity it was like you had to have worked in the competitor so if you don't if you don't allow, you basically can only look at the grad schemes because yeah. everything else is is just playing musical chairs with the same mm. people. Yeah. And do you see that the grad are the grad schemes looking more inclusive? But also, again, it's not just grad schemes, right? Oh, there's apprenticeship. It was the best thing I've ever yeah. done. And you know, again, it's the stigma of you go down a grad scheme. Why? Yeah. You know, if you really want. Well, to what I mean is, the, all right, the yeah. entry, entry, whatever route you go down, but surely mm. certain sectors. They're so insular in the in, in the fact that they don't they don't let people in from other other sectors. They it's the only way they've got is the entry level. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely changing. There's, I mean, if you look at, I mean, the last five years, there's definitely been some real good improvements to move forward. Um, but again, there's still a lot of firms that are way off the mark. You know, still exactly where they were when, when we was you know seven eight years ago. Um, so I think there's definitely some real improvements. There's definitely a lot of noise. I think across the whole marketplace, there's a lot of noise. Um, but it's actually also how they can you know the next layer is how we are significantly improving those percentages and numbers in the organisation. But also, you know, great. It's a you know I won't say names, but it's kind of clients. So I'll get me a female. You know, tick the box. It's kind of when they say like. No, they generally as do. Much can, as much as you can't say, I want a white male, can yeah. you say, get me a, a female or someone of different ethnicity? Can you, are you seeing the positive or the, the, the discrimination the other way? That yeah, completely. That's the right. Don't that's want a white the, male. Can people well, say that the, now? Yeah, but that's the, that's, the, that's the challenge. It's being said, but also that is, you know, that's not really part. Do you know what I mean? That's not yeah. part of what you're trying to achieve. So there's definitely, um, there's definitely some improvements that are being made and there's still a long way to go, but it's working with you know, not just about hiring, but actually when people join, how inclusive do they feel once they join? You know, are they getting supported? Do they have a mentor? Are they quite open to ideas? Do they get brought to the table and stuff like that? So one part is obviously bringing people into the organisation. The kind of next layer is that when they do join, who's kind of helping them on that journey to make sure that they have the best experience when they join afterwards. So, um, yeah, it's, it, there's a lot more work being done, which is, I think is great. And there's some really good organisations that are really, you know, leading from the front and flying the flag. Um, I think that just the challenge at the moment is turning that into valuable, you know, results where actually the numbers are increasing and changing across the board. Um, and I think that's the challenge. And I think not just, you know, not just from insurance and legal, you know, even if you look at sales and recruitment businesses, I mean, you know, there's there's some again, there's some great firms doing some good stuff, but actually, there's still a lot more work to be done. I mean, it, I mean, I'm looking at my own business thing, and we're making some decent progress. We've had challenges even this year with with the people agenda. It's we're not perfect at it, and we're trying, we're trying, right? And but that's the, that's the most successful is that you're trying and you're open yeah. to trying, right? And you're I open. Mean, to I'm genuinely it. interested yeah. in it. Like, yeah. That's the truth. It, it, you know, some people just clearly don't care, but we mm. we I know I know and believe that we do, which is the key. Mm. But we still make 
at times you make business decisions that people aren't happy with and maybe aren't perfect for some people. And yeah. other times you have to make pe decisions for people that maybe don't always suit the business. And it's, it's a tricky one. What, so to wrap things up, what, what's the future look like? But firstly, I want to talk about the business. Like, where are you going? Because I know you joined this business with a with a mission. Like, it, you know, what's the future for DVF, Career Legal, the whole piece? So, yeah, still driving the businesses forward. They're, they're growing. I mean, the, the the great thing about, obviously, I think when we met a couple of few years back, there was probably quite separate businesses. I think what we've really done right. quite well now is really, yeah, Career Legals, you know, and, and DVFR1 business. And I think really worked hard to bring those businesses together. Um, what the future holds, I have to keep quite close to my chest. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they go. But actually, the business is doing phenomenal at the moment. There's so do you, How do you guys work now? Because you're at home today. Yeah, you were so always we are, a five-day-a-week. Fully, fully, hybrid, fully hybrid model. So I think since, you know, we was fully from home and the business has done significantly well. I mean, done really well. So it makes no sense now to start to change things significantly to get people back in so we do hybrid model where you know two to three days a week you come in the office pick your days however you want to do it and i think it's it's working really well where when you get in the office you get the quick wins of throwing the names and i think the challenge sometimes we've been you know lots of time working from sometimes you're missing those little snippets of information that do work and you know get you quick results which is great um so actually we've got the best of both worlds at the moment and it's really working quite well but again change things right i think if if one of the guys wants to do something slightly different travels from further and wants to do a little more regular, we'll just be open to it and not have a policy where this is so ready how many days are you in london now so i typically i do three because i like to kind of get in get out and i'm probably what? a little bit more productive in an office seeing certain, people. certain days you do or yeah, I typically do kind of Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, or I mix up the days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So, yeah, just dependent on meetings. Well, of course, in a state agency still. Yeah, the state agency hasn't changed, is it? I mean, no, I imagine they have, have to be in. They have to be yeah, in. Yeah, my whole job is kind of getting in, you know, doing long out, doing viewings, right? So you have to see people. And I don't think that industry... So, yeah, throughout COVID and the whole probably pandemic and stuff, we're pretty much back in. It's probably one of yeah. the industries that was the first back in and having to be back in outside of kind of nursing mm. and stuff like that. So, um. But yeah, no, I, I do like to still go in. I like to I like to see people. I like to have that routine of still getting up and out of the house. But then the same time, the days I'm home, I get so much done. Do you still are you building anymore? Do you still do? Yeah, still, that won't change. I mean, I think you know, I, I appreciate a lot of the bigger recruitment organisations have a model where you've got to be a leader and build and stuff. But I mean, that don't change. I still build. I've still led from the front. I think a lot of the youngsters that are coming through, they don't want to hear the story of the 1990s or 2000. I think they get inspired by you leading from the front, rolling sleeves up and getting stuck in. So yeah, I've got a big team. I've got some great managers and actually I still build lead from the front and I actually enjoy it. I mean, I love being able to actually inspire and help people take them on that journey where they can see it feel it we do it together and actually really leading from the front i think you know businesses miss a bit of a trick where their model is kind of you move up to manager then you're a team leader and you're kind of more hands-off where i think if you kind of flip it on its head and really truly kind of lead from the front where they can see it feel it and i think it's kind of phenomenal I mean, People. You just like doing deals, mate. Are you kidding? Oh, I love doing deals. I mean, who doesn't have that free? Your brother's name was Dan the Deal on Instagram, right? <laughs> Dan the Deal. He's going to love this, by the way. You're Dan the Deal and Ant the Deal. The Deal. Um, I love it. Well, so what's life like personally then? So are, like, would you want to have kids? In it? I, I don't know. know. I, 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 I'm not sure. That? Do you know, it's kind of... Uh... It's kind of a future, you never know really, but I think I'm at a time where I'm still kind of 
still kind of going through the motions of, you know, becoming who I am. And I think it's still kind of, you know, still work in progress and, you know, what the future holds, I'm still, I'm still not decided on, but I'm just loving life at the moment and kind of enjoying each day and each month as it comes by. It's a bit of a, bit of a cliche, but it's true. And you're off to Miami in a few weeks. Off to Miami in a few weeks. I'm going south of France in a few more weeks after that. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Love it. I mean, my life and your life are the similarities and there's key differences, right? I ended up yeah. back in the north, two stepkids. I love it though. Just bought a house. Two guard it's, dogs. Uh, two guard dogs who are right <laughs> behind me right now. I mean, <laughs> it's mad. I mean, I, I've, I think going into kids, you've got to know you want them, I think. Mm. And I think I always said I wanted them. Um, yeah. I don't think yeah. I ever imagined. The mad thing for me was I didn't imagine taking other another person's kids on, but it is exactly the route that I went. So my, yeah. my mum... So the way it, I was with Lauren before she was with her the father of her children, right? We were together yeah. when we were young and we got back together last year. And But my mum and stepdad were, the, well, they're not even married. My mum and, I call him a stepdad. They were the same. They were together when they were young. Then mum and dad had kids and then they got back together. And then, so he came into my life at the age that these kids are with me. Yeah. Um, so I've, I have been on, I've been the kid in the scenario. So I think even when, before I'd met them last year, I could imagine how it would work because I've, I've seen it. I think if I'd not, if I'd have, you know, my mum and my dad live together, raised me, I'm not sure I could have yeah. done this as well as yeah. I mean, again, I've not done it well. I'm nowhere near doing it well. I don't, it's so, so difficult. But um, I guess with you, if you do go down the kids' route, it's going to be a, an interesting, you're going to go through different scenarios and it's going to, you know, you're going to have some challenges there. But the, this, I love that there's more um, gay relationships, gay, you know, men having men, men having babies. Yeah, and definitely. And I think it's just, um, yeah, I've got I've got a friend of mine that's gone through that whole process adoption, and it's just it's just it's really refreshing to see and just yeah. understanding the journey and going through that whole process and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm not not figured it out yet for sure, but um, yeah, there, there's definitely more to come, more to see. Well, my we'll, do part, we'll do a part two in a few years. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we've got to want it though. Reunion. My thing about kids I've learned is you just genuinely got to want it. I think if you, yeah. too many people have, I think they have to have kids. And it's it's like they have to have them or else they're not mm -hmm. going to be happy. And I think, you know, I've seen so many people who've had kids and not probably thought about it. And they're not, you know, they love their children, but they're like, I wish I'd not done it. Yeah, um, well, we've got to I, a point in age where I need to have them because my yeah, because of bio biology. Them. And, you yeah. know, I, for me now, I feel like I'm at a point in my life where it's what I want. Whereas if mm -hmm. I did, you'd have, threw kids at me five years ago it just wouldn't work like it just wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't work um Fine. anthony pleasure mate i've loved it it's always yeah, fun with you anyway it. and uh i'm just so proud of you i think it's been everything happens for a reason you know i think you were you know it was all supposed to play out this way 100 times out yeah. of 100 it would have played out this way i'm i'm really grateful of your input in the in the hoxo story and, and i'm glad that we told it because not many people know at least um, we got the name right. At least we got the name right. Yeah, not the name. It's there. Look, it's tattooed right there. Do you see, um, it's well, all there. You coming out? But no, get, listen. Got... I'm. I'm also. It's so nice, generally, to see how much the business has grown and how much you guys are put into it and what's come out of it again. And it's not just you being proud of me. I'm massively proud of what you guys are doing. And you know, I love to see the journey, and it's exciting to see where we're going to be in the next five years. Right exactly mate let's do it right if anyone does want to reach out because i think there'll be people that want to talk to you 
Yeah. Are you okay if they just message you on LinkedIn? Is that is that? Yeah, fine? LinkedIn. Honestly, really open to ideas, suggestions. I mean, it's kind of again, it's it's being open to just hearing and talking about things, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, always always open. And I imagine you're hiring as well. If anyone is interested, listening, always hiring, and, uh, looking for yeah. some good talent. If you're weird and wonderful, get in touch. <laughs> <laughs> weird and wonderful, love it. Right, Anthony, you're an absolute legend. Good luck with everything, yeah, and we'll get you back on in the future. All right, cheers, Thanks, buddy. Sorry. Take care, mate. Thank you, as always, for listening to today's show. I truly, truly hope that you got value from it. That's the only reason I take time every week is to ensure that my audience, future and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. Today's episode was brought to you by Hoxo Media. I am the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media, and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2,000 recruiters right now, both managing the brands, producing content, building written video podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level individual recruiters in your businesses, how to be better on LinkedIn. That's how to brand themselves. That's how to produce content. That's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business. We're coaching people all over the world every single day. If any of that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean Anderson, a personal message on LinkedIn. I would love to talk to you. Tune in again next week on LinkedIn. I'll see you soon.